This is the SLA Workshop Podcast, episode number five. In this episode, we are going to explore the notion of input and its role in acquiring a language. So let's get started. Welcome to the SLA Workshop Podcast with Joel Sarate, the podcast that will expand your knowledge on how we learn languages and help you become a better language learner and better language teacher. And now your host, Joel Sarate. Olá, pessoal. Bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite. Tudo bem? Tudo ótimo? Eu estou muito contento, muito feliz por estar aqui com vocês para falar de como aprendemos línguas estrangeiras. Bem-vindos e muito, muito, muito obrigado por ouvir o podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Second Language Acquisition Workshop Podcast, the SLA Workshop Podcast. I am Joel Zarate, I am your host, and I can't wait to begin this new episode. In this episode, I am going to talk about input and the role of input in learning a second language. This is a very exciting episode to help you in your journey to become better language learners and better language teachers. Muchas gracias to those of you who have subscribed to my podcast. Thank you for supporting the SLA Worship Podcast. If you have two minutes, please leave me a five-star review and leave me a comment about how the podcast is helping you so that other people who are interested in learning and teaching languages can join our community. Remember that if you have suggestions, questions, or ideas for me to cover on this podcast, or if you simply just want to say hi or reach out to me and just give me your opinion about the podcast, you can email me at SLA Workshop Podcast, one word, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. It is simply the name of the podcast at yahoo.com, one word, all lowercase. I might read your email on the next episode to share your comment with our community and help everybody hear what you guys have to say about the podcast. Today, I have one email that I would love to share with you. And like I said on the previous episode, I'm thinking about having one episode where I am going to respond to your questions in anything that has to do with learning and teaching another language. So send me your questions to the podcast email. And when I'm ready, I'll produce this episode. This email that I am sharing with you was sent to me in Spanish, so I'll read the translation. So it reads like this. Greetings, Joel. My name is Adrián, and I am studying a bachelor's degree in foreign language teaching. I wanted to take this opportunity to congratulate you for the podcast. It was perfect for me because I had to give a presentation on behaviorism, and your episode on behaviorism helped me with my presentation and gave me some ideas for the presentation. I recommended the podcast to my classmates. So thank you for making this podcast. I listen to every episode, the English and Spanish version, 
and I think they are great. Good luck with the podcast. So thank you, Adrian. That was great. I am glad I was able to help you with your presentation, and I hope that you got a good grade on your presentation. Keep listening and keep in touch. Gracias. Okay, let's talk about input. What is input and what does that mean to get input? How do we process input and how do we retain it? How does it help us to develop the ability to acquire a language? Let's see if we can dive into these questions and explore the concept of input, reflect on it, and use what we know from the field of second language acquisition so that we can have a much better understanding of the role that input plays in the process to learn another language. In this episode, I'm not just going to talk about input from the information that we know from the field of second language acquisition, but I am going to reflect about it with you. I'm going to invite you to think about the information so that we can arrive to a greater understanding because in the end, that is the whole point of learning, right? How can you utilize the information so that you can become a better language learner or a better language teacher? Okay, so what is input? Well, you can think of it as the information you receive, right? When you are communicating with someone, you are getting input. When you are listening to another person, to the radio, or just conversations around you, you are getting input. When you are reading something, when you're reading a book, a newspaper, a blog, you are getting input. So we can safely say that listening and reading provide input. And input provides samples of how we are supposed to use language, how we are supposed to construct language, how we manipulate and how we play with it. Input is without a doubt the most important part of learning a language. Any expert in the field of second language acquisition would agree that we need input to learn another language. We need input to build the mental representation of language, to build our implicit knowledge of the language, our subconscious command of the language. In fact, the research around input is so robust and vast that we know a lot about the role of input in both language teaching and language learning. So the challenge for us is to understand how we process input so that we can use it to our advantage. If you are a teacher, the question is, how can I offer input to my students in a way that maximizes their ability to understand, process input, and acquire it? That's what we ask ourselves as teachers. But if you're learning a language, the question is, how does input help me to learn a language and how should I get it? How should I make it easy for me to get input and understand it? All right. Well, as I said before, input is the most essential part of learning a language. So let's think about it. What I am going to do is to think out of the box and play with the information we have and see where that takes us. 
Now, let's think about how children learn a language. According to the research in children language acquisition, it is common to see that children by age five have a pretty good command of their first language. In fact, Professor Patsy Leibon and Professor Nina Espada in their book, How Languages Are Learned, state that it is generally accepted that by age four, children have mastered the basic structures of the language or languages spoken to them. So how is it that children can learn their first language without receiving constant and continuous grammar explanations? Is input just enough to learn a language? Well, an important piece of information that we also have so far comes from the universal grammar theory known as UG. So UG states that human beings have an innate faculty to learn a language. It is part of our genes. It is part of our biological endowment. It is simply that we are adept to learn a language. We just need to receive input to decode the parameters of that language, or actually children just need input to decode the parameters of the language. So that's what we also know from the episode on Juji or the information from Universal Grammar. Another point of view that explains how we learn a language comes from connectionism, which suggests that learning a language occur because we can create neurological connections in our brain when we associate language with mental representations. Here again, professors Patsy Leibon and Ina Spada on their book How Languages Are Learned point out that connectionists argue that learners gradually build up their knowledge of language through exposure to the thousands of instances of the linguistic features they eventually hear. After hearing language features in specific situational or linguistic context over and over again, learners develop stronger and stronger network of connections between these elements. On a future episode, I'll talk more about connectionism and their position on how we acquire languages and also their point of view about how we learn language as formulaic language or language chunk. So that, that will be something for a future episode. So if children can learn a language mainly from the input they receive from their surroundings without grammar explanations, can adults learn a language just by getting input? Well, that is an interesting question to talk about because I think it is not just a question of whether we have the cognitive ability that children have, but it is also a question of whether we have the proper setting that can help us absorb and internalize input in the way children do. If you think about it, Children are constantly and consistently receiving input from their parents or their surroundings or any caretaker, somebody who is looking after them. They are getting input all the time. They 
are getting input from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep. They are interacting meaningfully and purposefully with the language they hear. And because of that, they can make stronger mental representations of what language represents and also how they are supposed to communicate with the phrases and words they hear. Also, people usually modify the way that they talk to children by being more expressive, by showing children the items that adults are talking about, by playing with them, by speaking to them more slowly. Adults modify the way they speak to children instinctively as if to know that they need more support, that they need more help to be able to understand what they are telling them. So children get a lot of support. They get a lot of help, a lot of scaffolding throughout this process of learning language. So that is very important in in their development. So let's keep that in mind. Just think about how that helps them to learn their language. Now, let's assume you speak English as your first language and you want to learn Chinese. Do you think that if you start listening to the radio in Chinese or if you start watching television in Chinese, do you think that you would start learning Chinese and eventually be able to speak it? Very unlikely, right? If you don't understand anything, it is hard to start learning something that you can hold on to. It is difficult to pick up the language and it is difficult to make the connections in your brain between what they are saying and concrete images, concrete mental representations that can help you remember and help you process what they are talking about. So I suppose you might be able to learn a little bit. You might be able to learn some vocabulary and perhaps one phrase here and one phrase there. But it would be very unlikely that you can learn language. And also, it would probably be very slow and very tedious it is probably very unlikely that you could be successful under those conditions. But let's think about it in this way. Suppose you are at level zero in Chinese and a native speaker is at level 10. If native speakers are performing at a level 10, when they are communicating through conversations, through the radio, through television shows, but you are performing at level zero, you have no chance to survive. You have no chance to participate at the same level. So what do you think needs to happen for you to be able to go from level zero to level 10? What do you think you need to do? Well, the easiest and most obvious answer is that for you to be able to get to level 10, first 
you have to go from level 0 to level 1, then from level 1 to level 2, and so forth. So your goal as a learner is not to try to function at level 10, but function within reach of level 1. Your goal is to receive input at your level within reach of level 1 so that you can reach your next level, your proximal level. Now, let me give you some perspective. Imagine two circles. Picture two circles. Now, make one circle slightly smaller. For example, one circle can be 10 inches or 10 centimeters. And the other circle can be 9 inches or 9 centimeters. Picture these circles. Now, put the smaller circle inside the bigger circle, right at the center. Picture that. Just visualize that. Okay. Muy bien. Now, let's assume that the smaller circle represents your level and the bigger circle represent the next level that you need to achieve. Do you see the space in between the two circles? Notice that space. That is why you have to learn to move to the next level. That is the distance between your cognitive body of knowledge and the next level of goal achievable from your ability. That is what a Russian psychologist by the name of Lev Vygotsky referred to as the Zone of Proximal Development, or ZPD. I'll save the discussion for the Zone of Proximal Development for another episode, but it helps us to understand why we can't function at level 10 when you are at level 0. Nonetheless, could you still learn at level 10? Very little and very slowly. Sure, you can still learn, but you cannot jump from level 0 to level 10 because you are not in your zone of proximal development. So let's think about that in terms of input. How can we get input that can help us to get to the next level? How can we get input that is at our level so that we can understand it and that we can process it meaningfully and purposefully so that we can build our subconscious command of the language or our implicit linguistic system? Well, these questions have been approached in the field of second language acquisition. Some experts have referred to it as simplified input. Others call it modified input. And also, one of the most well-known terms is comprehensible input, proposed by Professor Stephen Krashen during the late 1970s when he was at the University of Southern California. On episode number two, I talk about the monitor model, which is the model that Professor Stephen Krashen brought to the table in order to explain how we acquire a language. I also encourage you to listen to episode two if you haven't done so already. 
And basically, Professor Crashend argued that we acquire a language when we consistently receive comprehensible input. And comprehensible input referred to the language in a communicative situation, in a communicative act that we could understand almost by its entirety. The messages that we can understand in a way that was delivered to us to connect the meaning with the language is what help us to be within our zone of proximal development. For Professor Krashen, the role of a teacher was to deliver input in a way that students could understand the message. Teachers needed to make sure that students were able to understand the messages by using pictures, props, or gestures that would provide visual support for the students to be able to make connections between language and its meaning and the way it creates mental representations for us to be able to acquire the language, to be able to put it in our subconscious system. So today it is widely accepted that comprehensible input is a very important part of acquiring a language. If you already listened to episode two, you know that one of the five hypotheses that Professor Crashend offered to explain how we learn languages was the input plus one hypothesis. And the input plus one hypothesis is almost like the zone of proximal development applied to input. If we go back to the circles that I asked you to imagine, that I asked you to visualize, you can look at the smaller circle as the input that you already possess within your body of knowledge, as the input that you can fully understand. This is the area where you can comfortably and competently function. Now, the plus one represents the input that lies just a little bit beyond your body of knowledge. That space between the two circles, your space of proximal development. Now, this is how Professor Krashen visualized going from level zero to one, or from level one to two, or level two to three. You move from one level to the next by working with the input that you understand while getting at the same time a small portion of input that is just a little bit beyond your level so that you can make the jump to the next level. In other words, if you could understand 80 to 90% of a message that is being communicated to you, then because you can understand most of it due to the context, you would be able to decode and understand the 20 to 10% of the input that is new to you. And that's how you eventually are able to add more knowledge to the input that you already possess. Professor Krashen and Professor Tracy Terrell later on went to develop the natural approach, which is a set of guidelines to teach a language for acquisition based on the conceptual framework of the monitor model. I'll talk about the natural approach on a future episode, so stay tuned. Okay, let's continue talking about input. 
So if receiving comprehensible input is essential to be able to acquire a language, then one of our goals is to find ways to get as much comprehensible input as we can, right, by finding materials, audio, recordings, shows, and things that we can listen to and things that we can understand because they are within our zone of proximal development. Also, we can get comprehensible input by finding reading materials that are also at our level and that we can understand when we read. Remember that children receive a lot of input and that's how they construct a mental representation of how we use language. So one of our goals as learners is to receive as much input as possible. This is also supported by information processing theory in second language acquisition and mainly information processing theory mainly highlights that input is very important because it provides all the samples of how the language being learned works and getting tons of input is what help us to internalize language and connect it to meaning, connect it to mental representations. For instance, the more you hear phrases and sentences that you can understand, the, st the stronger the mental connection becomes between those phrases and what they represent in meaning. They look at the brain almost like a computer. A computer gets a lot of samples and then the computer is able to decode from the samples how the task is supposed to be done. So that's how input develops the ability to understand and internalize language. Now, if you are a teacher either in a classroom or offering private lessons in person or through one of those platforms that enable you to use Skype or other software to give private lessons online, then you might be wondering what to do to give the students plenty of input that can help them to learn the language you're teaching them. And to answer that question, there are many approaches that help you work with the input to develop your students' inner language of the second language. That is to say, the gradual mental understanding of the language they are learning, the knowledge that they keep building little by little of the second language. Well, like I said, there are many methods and approaches and strategies that help teachers to play with input in a way that helps students to learn another language. For example, the natural approach is the approach that focused primarily on providing students with comprehensible input and giving students opportunities to learn and reach their next level by getting lots of input that they can understand and that is just beyond their level. Another more modern approach that uses input primarily is processing instruction. Processing instruction was developed by Professor Bill Van Patten and his colleagues at the University of Illinois at Urbania-Champaign. 
and focuses primarily on helping students process input more efficiently by allowing students to connect language features with meaning. So in the future, I am going to also talk about processing instruction in more detail. Also, input enhancement is another point of view that helps us to make input more noticeable, more salient to students. And it is usually attributed to Professor Michael Sherwood-Smith. And with input enhancement, we see techniques to make input more salient, like I said, more noticeable, more relevant, and highlight parts within the input that we want students to pay attention to, while at the same time, they still maintain their focus on meaning. So we can help students with grammar or with vocabulary and with phrases using some input enhancement or particularly textual enhancement and input flood techniques. So we'll talk about those also in the future. There is also something called FONF or Focus on Form, which was which was developed by Professor Michael Long at UCLA, the University of California, Los Angeles. And with this approach, Professor Long emphasized the importance of focusing on meaning during communication while helping students notice and become aware of the grammar features that convey meaning, that convey what is being communicated. So working with meaning while helping students also become aware of, for instance, the grammatical features that you want to teach them. Another method that also heavily uses input is the total physical response or TPR, which is a method created by Professor James Asher at San Jose State University. And with the total physical response, the idea is that we provide input to give commands to students so that they can act upon those commands because they will need to process that language that they are receiving in order to be able to follow the command or instruction. And that's how he was helping students to internalize language and do something with the language. And there are other approaches like discourse-based instruction or content-based instruction or task-based instruction, which are powerful approaches that can help students learn a language by focusing on meaning and helping students do something with the input while interacting or communicating with other students. So I intend to cover all of these methods, approaches, and strategies in more detail on future episodes. So just be patient and episode by episode, we are going to get there. We're going to build this great library of information to help you become better language teachers and better language learners. Well, okay, it was fun talking about input. And that is all that I will cover in this episode of the SLA Workshop Podcast. The discussion about input is not over yet. We'll talk about it more in the future. It'll come back as we discuss approaches, strategies, and techniques 
than manipulate input to help students internalize language and ultimately acquire it so that they can develop speaking fluency and develop a subconscious command of the second language. And thank you once again for listening and joining me once more in this adventure to become better language learners and better language teachers. If you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star review to help me grow and reach more people out there. If you have two minutes, please leave me a comment as well so that new listeners have an idea of what this podcast is about and what they can learn from the podcast and what they can expect from it. Remember that if you have suggestions, questions, or ideas for me to talk about on a future episode on this podcast, or if you just want to say hi and just be in touch with me, you can email me at slaworkshoppodcast, one word, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. It is simply the name of the podcast, at yahoo.com, one word, all lowercase. I might read your email on the next episode to share your comment with our community. All right, this is all. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode of the SLA Workshop Podcast. And for now, I'll just say hasta pronto. Adios. Thanks for listening to the SLA Workshop Podcast with Joel Sarate. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you again on our next episode. And for now, we'll just say hasta pronto. Adios. Adios.